Hello everyone, welcome to Cricket with an Accent. This is Saqib. Today we will be talking about the squads from Pakistan and New Zealand and joining to break down these squads and analyze team selection is Sanket Singhal returning to the podcast and Sabi Hassan uh, also joining the podcast after maybe a year's absence. Welcome guys. Thank you. Always a pleasure. All right, so let's uh, let's give some introduction there. Sanket again uh, has been on the podcast for, you know, since I started it and a key member of the team and very well known on Twitter for his uh, cricket comments and uh, his Australian team association but he does follow the pulse of the game no matter what team it is and same for Sabi. I've known Sabi for a long time and Sabi is an active member of parkpassion.net website. So let's uh, let's start with New Zealand and then we'll come to Pakistan. So Sanket, when uh, this squad was announced and I know you did a preliminary exercise of putting all squads out there, how balanced is this squad and uh, were there any surprise omissions in this squad for New Zealand for you? Well, yeah, a couple of surprises. I think uh, New Zealand have left out uh, Tim Seifert, who's the who's originally the backup keeper in limited overs cricket in in the lead up to the World Cup, and then then suddenly they, they decided to go and go in with Tom Blundell, who's played a few Test matches for them, but he's primarily been seen as a Test match specialist. But they've gone with him because uh, they see him as a better keeper, and that's why they've gone in with him. Even though I'm not too sure whether he's batting, but admittedly I've not really watched an awful lot of him, but his batting does, seems to be more suited to the longer format of the game. So that was a little bit of a surprise. And they've left out Will Young, who was who was, was slated to be the backup opener. Uh, when, you know, they tried Colin Munro at the top of the order and it didn't really work. And you know, th- there were calls from the commentators and even Simon Duhl had mentioned him as a great prospect, uh, that Will Young could, could possibly be one of the youngsters who could come into the side at the top of the order. Uh, and open alongside Martin Guptill. But instead, they've gone on with, I think that they'll probably open with Henry Nichols. Colin Munro is still in the squad, so he's also an option as well. But I personally would have liked to have seen Will, Will Young in the squad. And he is, in, he is probably, uh, you know, made the selectors regret leaving him out after his performances in the warm-up matches against Australia 11 that have taken place. He scored 200s. So I think that was a little bit of a surprise, although I'm hearing that he's about to undergo a shoulder surgery, so maybe that was a factor as well. Uh, in the bowling department, I think my views on Tim Saudi are well known for anyone who follows me on Twitter. I, I don't really rate him as a limited overs bowler. I've always felt that his uh, record in one-day cricket is extremely overrated. And he's there just purely because maybe of his reputation and because of his experience. But I think, I, personally, I, I would have liked to have seen someone like maybe someone like Blair Tickner or Adam Mill. In place of him. Uh, so yeah, I think these are some of the changes that personally I would have liked to have seen. Uh, other than that, I think the squad is pretty much unexpected lines. Sabi, um, based on what Sanket said, I'll also add a question. Were there any surprises according to you? And uh, if not, is this squad like uh, good enough uh, to be a contender? I know they are not in the top teams for this World Cup, but how balanced is this New Zealand squad according to you? Uh, actually, I agree with uh, Sankit. Uh, I was also surprised to see a different keeper name, um, as I don't know much about him as well. But uh, I don't think he has played any ga- any one-day game for New Zealand. Um, I, I don't. <clears throat> to your question, I don't think New Zealand is a weak team. New Zealand is a very very balanced team, as far as I am concerned, and I think they are the probably the top four team. Um, and can can really go into the semi-final and then then go all the way as well. Um, the only problem I see in this team is uh, their lack of fifth baller. Um, I think Jimmy Nisham and uh, D. Grandamore 
they will be sharing uh, the fifth over uh, 10 over quota. And that's where they can have the problem. Uh, that's that's the only weakness they have. If they go with um, full uh, full time bowler, then they will have a problem with a lack of batting. So maybe they don't have a genuine all rounder who can be equally a good batsman or a bowler. So Sabi, are they uh, good at the position where we were talking about uh, the big hitting? Because that's going to be the theme of this World Cup. Looks like the batting decks in England are all for batting. Going by you know uh, the Pakistan England ODI that was played yesterday. So you think they have uh, players who can build in innings and also hit hit long hits? Yeah, definitely. So if you look at it on the top of the order, they have Martin Guptill, who's a complete batsman, a, a guy who can uh, score, run a ball easily, and then can can hit the ball out of the park whenever needed. Uh, they also have Munro as an option if they want to play him uh, instead of Nichols. Uh, and the, down the order, uh, they have uh, D. Grandamore and Nisham, who are both strong hitter of the ball. And uh, do not forget about the Taylor, even though he he's almost on his last leg right now, but he is one of the players who get, once gets settled in, can hit the ball out of the park. So I think they the batting wise, I think they have a good option. I'm a little bit concerned about about their uh, bowling. I mean the bowling is good, but again saying the fourth and fifth bowler, you know, Mitchell Center would uh, Fetner would be their spinner, and then fifth uh, bowler would be Jimmy Nisham and De Grandomore. That's where I see there's some problems. Okay, Sanket, if you agree, jump in. And secondly, do you also agree with the notion they are like a top four team, according to you? I would say they're probably just outside the top four. I think they've got a better chance than teams like maybe West Indies and Pakistan, who are probably more hyped up. Uh, but New Zealand are a very steady side, and that's how I've always seen them. You know, they probably don't quite have the same enthusiasm and fanfare that was surrounding them four years ago on home soil. Uh, this time around, I think they've slipped quietly slipped back to their typical under-the-radar dark horses status. Uh, and I think I probably have them at number five on my list as far as their quality of team systems, quality of team concern. As far as Sabi's observations go, I, 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 I beg to differ on a few things. I think uh, I agree that they've got the Grand Tom and Nishu who can hit the ball. And I also tend to agree that uh, those two as the fifth bowling option uh, is a bit of a worry. But I'm not too sure they have enough hitting power because they've got Tom Latham at number five, who was was actually an opener by trade, but because he was struggling against fast bowling, he has been moved down the order. Where because he's supposed to be a good player of spin bowling, but just being a good player of spin bowling is not good enough to, for for someone to be batting at number five because you, a number five batsman has to be a good finisher. He has to be capable of taking the uh, putting the foot on the accelerator and. Uh, Play, playing those big shots when he's well set. I'm not too sure Latham can do that. He's someone who will, even on his best days, will at, at max get to a, maybe a 70 ball 60 and, and, and that type of an innings. So that, that's a bit of a concern. They've got Ross Taylor at number four, I feel is probably the best in the world at that position. And statistically, purely statistically, uh, he is the second best batsman in ODI cricket since the, uh, in between these two World Cup cycles after Virat Kohli. So they, they've got some quality there. Ken Williamson, his ODI performances have dipped a little bit since the Champions Trophy. So I think, but he, he's a quality player. So you obviously expect him to come good. He's got a great record in England. The pitches should be pretty good to bat on. Guptill is again another guy whose recent form hasn't been all that great. And again, as I mentioned earlier, the second opener has always been a contentious issue for them ever since Brendan McCullum uh, retired. They tried Colin Mungo as a like-for-like replacement and it, it didn't work out because to play the brand of cricket that McCullum does, uh, you need to be exceptionally gifted. And so I just don't think replacing him 
with a like for like player who isn't nearly as good was a good idea but because they invested so so much in him they don't really have enough of, uh, enough time to try, try something else so now, now they hastily gone to henry nichols who is a middle order batsman by trade and you know asked him to open the innings even though he has done it a few times in domestic cricket but so far he hasn't really given any evidence that he can make a world class odi opener uh, at this stage of career so they've got some issues with regards to the batting as well as far as the bowling is concerned i think it depends on what kind of bowling attack they pick i think uh, as i said i'm not really con- convinced with tim saudi as their backup seamer uh, uh, so if, if they play trent bolt matt henry and locky burgesson as the three seamers and mitchell sandman as the spinner and occasionally maybe on a turning track they can bring in is sode in place of one of the seamers then i think they have a decent attack but if, if ever they play saudi uh, then i think the quality of their attack weakens significantly because he he doesn't really offer anything with new ball and as we have seen in the ipl he's absolutely terrible at the test so i think that that that, that and even though even though the first three bowlers that i mentioned they are decent bowlers but none of them are really world class they are not quite in the same class as uh, as uh, just three bumra or kagish or bada or Mitchell Stark or Pat Cummins who can win you matches single-handedly. Trent Bolt is probably the uh, uh, the best new ball bowler uh, when it comes to wide ball cricket, but he doesn't really offer much when the ball gets older. And Henry, I think he's got a great record, but I, I always felt that New Zealand have misused him. They've not really given enough opportunities. Uh, so the, uh, it will be interesting to see whether they actually persist with him because they tried him out at, towards the back end of their home summer uh, ahead of Saudi. But uh, there's always the fear that come the world cup they might just you know fall for the typical cliche and go for the experienced guy hopefully they don't do that but that's again a, uh, another matter of uh, selection conundrum that they they'll be facing so yeah i think uh, as i said i think it's a decent side but they obviously have some worries uh, as far as they don't really have genuine quality i think it's a, it's a decent team but uh, hmm. to me i don't think they have the outright quality to be genuine top level contenders. Okay, so they are good but uh, we don't know if they are great. Uh, that's that's fair. So Sanket, I mean, we've talked about I think England, Australia and the other podcasts in India too uh, when uh, we did those shows. So what do you think is New Zealand's strength this team? Uh, if they're going up against a big team, you think this again, we don't know the condition, the toss and everything, but you think this unit is better off chasing targets if conditions are very batting friendly or you think their bowling can defend uh, targets of 300 plus? I think I think it depends on I think it depends on opposition conditions. I think New Zealand have always been a team who have preferred to bat first, and we saw that even in the 2016 World T20, even though it's a different format, but that was Kane Williamson's first tournament in charge as a full-time captain. Brendan McCullum had just retired in the Test series in Australia about two weeks prior to that, and New Zealand batted first in pretty much most of those matches, and they they, they won them, and then suddenly they came up came up against England in the semi-finals, and, and they just You know, scramble their way to a mediocre total, which is the kind of total that they had been defending in the previous matches. But England simply just blew them away and chased it down in 16 or 17 overs or something like that. So I think against England is one matchup where I feel they have to chase because if you watch their ODI series, uh, if you observe their ODI series against England last year that was played in New Zealand, uh, New Zealand won two matches. They won both the matches chasing. Uh, pretty high totals in one of the matches they chased down 290 odd and the, in the other game they chased down i think something like 330 odd ross taylor playing one of the best innings in odi history scored an unbeaten 181 to chase that down whereas in the two matches that they batted first england absolutely thrashed them they were bowled out for just over 200 
and and the one match new zealand did chase and eventually uh, lost by two or three runs uh, and that was on a extremely spin friendly surface so i think the pattern is obvious the two matches that england won were uh, uh, the two matches that england chased in they absolutely crushed the kiwis the two matches new zealand chased in the three matches new zealand chased in they won two and they were almost won the other so i think if if they chase against england they have a decent chance of winning because they have competed but again it, it finally it comes down to their best players delivering on the day someone like ross taylor for example he had an insane series against england last year which is why they were so competitive if he can replicate the same level of performance kane williamson can have a go great tournament then i think they have the ability to uh, you know compete with the best in the world but uh, if, if any of these players perhaps are not quite at their best then i think they'll be found wanting okay uh, that's that, that's fair enough so let me just you know add to what you said so bring sabhi in so sabhi uh, kane williamson will be obviously a main point if new zealand has to do well he's one of the best batsmen in the world how do you rate his captaincy and how important is captaincy according to you in this long tournament where every team will be playing everyone and there will be some matches where you know captaincy becomes more of a focal point sabhi i think you're on mute Uh, sorry so if is basically a, a different captain than brendan mccollum you know brendan mccollum was a very very uh, aggressive captain who had a uh, couple of slips or or anagali initially and then even he he tried to take wickets uh, williamson is on the other hand is little bit uh, on a different side he he is a good captain but you know of course he has been captain for a couple of years and he is a learning curve uh, not have not seen new zealand cricket uh, too much so is tough to for me uh, to judge how well of a captain he is okay so sanke same question to you since you probably have followed more of the the kiwi cricket uh, how, how do you rate his captaincy among his peers and his rivals uh yeah i think just to expand on the previous point and i was just about to get to this as well uh well new zealand have been one of the better defending sides in odi cricket and even in t20 cricket except against england and i think kane williamson has done a good job at defending low totals when they played uh, against india in india in 2016 the odi series they they, they won two matches uh, india won the series 3-2 and new zealand won both the matches uh, defending fairly low totals on pitches that were actually more suited to india uh, than new zealand so i think kane williamson i, I wouldn't say he's a tactical genius or anything of that sort but he is someone who's, who's got a great support staff with him uh, at both i think even even at ipl is he plays for sunrisers who's got one of the best uh, support staffs in world cricket and for new zealand as well always have a very good support staff and they they generally uh, i mean we, we don't really know who comes up with the plans in the dressing room but uh, i always found that they come up with very good plan is i think the problem for williamson comes when Uh, uh things don't really go his way and then he has to you know think on his feet and maybe resort to a plan b i think that is when he found wanting a little bit but i think at least when when i compare him to some of his peers and i think he at least he, he does the basics right which something which i can't really say for someone like virat kohli or steve smith even though he's not captain anymore but uh, having most his captain people australia have always you know had major comes with the way he went about his captaincy joe root obviously hasn't really captained much in limited overs cricket so that's hard to compare because he's a, he's, a, he's an exclusively test captain which is a completely different format and probably doesn't test you as a captain as much uh, I, i i think i think the two 
the two standout captains right now in the world cup uh, for me are Kwak Duplessis and Owen Morgan i think bharat talked about Owen Morgan in in the you know podcast about england as well and you know Kwak Duplessis again is someone that i rated very highly other than that i don't think we really have uh, we are really blessed with a lot of good captains in international cricket right now so i think kane williamson is probably one of the better ones going around at least he's got uh, he comes up with good plan is i think probably working thinking on his feet and coming up with uh, you know an alternative solution when things are going haywire i think that's probably something that he needs to work upon okay so that's a fair observation so i'll uh, bring sabhi in for one more round at uh uh the new zealand bowling uh, i know we discussed it a little bit at the start of the podcast so wrist spin is going to be huge uh, along with like fast bowlers and uh, sanket already made his reservations about tim southy so sabhi how do you see that department here i know you were concerned about the fourth and fifth bowler but these uh, th- these these two uh, slots of fast bowling and leg spin is going to be huge so how do you see that uh, composition for new zealand is there a strength up. Yeah, so to start off with the leg spinner uh, Sodi, I think um, honestly, whenever I have seen him, um, he, he he doesn't he he have a good googly, but he I don't think he, uh, his leg break is that that good, um, and uh, he does not have uh, as good of a control as other leg spinners in the world are. Uh, so I don't think New Zealand would be playing him uh, too much in a World Cup unless there's a, there's really a pitch where where they have to play two spinners. Uh, their fast bowling. Um, I agree with uh, Sanket that uh, Tim Saudi is probably on his last legs. I don't agree uh, with him on that. He was never, never a good one-day bowler. I mean, he, he, I, I think he was a good one-day bowler, especially with the new ball. But since uh, these days, the, there are a lot of batting wickets, and uh, his speed is is not as as it used to be. So he's having a hard time bowling at the death as well. So I think uh, New Zealand would go with. Uh, with Trent Bolt uh, with and with open with Matt, Matt Henry and then followed by uh, Ferguson uh, who, who who who's really fast and can ball uh, around 150. So uh, Tim Saudi would be their fourth seamer, uh, a backup seamer. Whenever they need him, they will bring him. Okay, so I think we covered uh, quite a few things here for New Zealand and. Uh, we still have a lot of time but uh, let's bring in pakistan maybe we can do a compare and contrast in the end so pakistan is your wheelhouse abhi you've interviewed many players in the past you've been involved with pak passion so how good is this team uh, that got selected compared to say the 2015 team that was led by miss paul hak this team is definitely much better than uh, led by miss paul hak in 2015 uh, if you look at the 2015 world cup squad uh there were some major issues which happened just before the world cup uh said ajmal was banned from the bowling uh because of his action uh, hafiz got injured uh, right right before the world cup so so pakistan had lot of weakness in their bowling as well as batting uh but this team uh, if you look at it uh, they have been playing together for last couple of years this is the almost the same team which won the champion trophy um hasan ali is there uh, who who really did well in the champion trophy shadab khan who i think is is uh, the the most important member of pakistan team he uh, right now he is ill uh, but he needs to be fit if pakistan need to uh, go and do well in the world cup uh, in the other other department the bowling if you look at uh, pakistan have uh, i think they will have mohammad amir though, though he's not in in there right now uh, shahin shafridi a 19 year old uh, with a 
uh, is quite tall, uh, very high arm action, and can swing the ball. Uh, I think he would be very effective uh, opening the bowling. Uh, they they need to see uh, first who will be in their first 15. Right now, as I said, Amir is not there, but I think Amir should be there. And uh, but in the expense of who? That's what Pakistan management is trying to decide. And I uh, there are a couple of guys uh, they are thinking might go out and Amir comes in. One is Fahim Ashraf, uh, who's supposed to be an all-rounder, uh, but he never he have never done well as, as a batsman and he's a he's a mediocre baller. Uh, other other options are Junaid Khan, uh, who's not uh, as fast as he used to be, but very experienced in English conditions. And I, I quite quite still rate him very high. He, he's one of the bowlers who takes wickets whenever Pakistan needs it. And then there's a third one, uh, Hasnan, who who just came uh, out of PSL. He's he's fast but very inexperienced. So let's see Pakistan uh, who, who Pakistan drop uh, from out of those 17 players playing in England and then bring Amir in. But I'm I'm 100% sure Amir should and would be there. Okay, so Sanket, uh, I know we spoke briefly about this. At least I followed your thread when Amir's name was omitted from the World Cup and uh, you and some other folks were saying that he has uh, not been that effective. So are you okay with Sabi's uh, uh, theory here that Amir should, uh, they should be, uh, you know, he should be included. Someone will make way for him. Where do you stand on Mohammed Amir right now, given his current form and the composition that Pakistan has? Well, I think uh, con- considering the options that Pakistan have in the squad, I, I don't think Mohamed Amir will be that bad a pick. Because I, I watched Mohamed Asnain in the series against Australia and he was all over the shop. Uh, he's st- still, I think, only 17 or 18, so he's still extremely inexperienced. He's obviously quick. But I think that that, that obviously comes with a big risk when you're young and you're quick. Uh, and if you don't have the control, then, then you then you t- tend to be taken apart. And on flat pitches in England, you, you can't really have someone who lacks control and, and is inexperienced because you know World Cup is a high-pressure tournament, and uh, if he has a bad bad start to the tournament, then th- things can go haywire very very quickly. So I think I, I, I would have probably picked Mohammad Amir over Asnain as well. I think there there are other bowlers that maybe I might have considered over Amir. There was Asman Sinwari, who you know I, I'm not a big fan of him, but he had I think he had a decent series in Australia, uh, in the UAE. Uh, he had a decent series in South Africa as well. Didn't really have a great Asia Cup. He was taken apart by India uh, uh, in a couple of matches. But I think he could have been a decent option, at least purely based on performance. He has been decent compared to Mohamed Amir, but I don't think he's in the scheme of things because he's not even been named in the 17 for the squad of, uh, for, for, the, for the squad against England. So I guess uh, you know Asnain Amir for Asnain is probably probably a fair call. And Sanket, are you also? In agreement with Sabi is a, a claim that uh, Shadab Khan is one of the uh, key players if Pakistan has to do well. What's your stand on his uh, ability? I know he has a young career, but uh, he's someone uh, looking, at least in the white ball cricket, looking like a more obvious choice than Yasser Shah. Absolutely. I think he's, he's a much better limited overs bowler as compared to Yasser Shah. I think, I think when you compare him to some of the other top leggies in the world, I think he still has some way to go if you compare him to the likes of you know, Rashid Khan or Kuldeep Yadav, Vendra Chahel or even Adil Rashid, maybe even Adam Zampa. I think I think he probably falls a little bit short of, of that class right now in terms of experience as well. Also hasn't be, has been injured, so hasn't really played a lot recently. Uh, yeah, he had, uh, you know, he, I think he played in the 2017 Champions Trophy, so you know, he has that big tournament experience. Did, did put up a couple of very decent performances, maybe even in the knockout stages. 
uh, I remember him bowling a very good spell against England in the semi-finals at Cardiff on a track that obviously had something in it for him. Uh, since then, I think he has been one of their better cricketers. He, I think I'm not so sure about Sabi's observation about Pakistan being unnecessarily a, a far better team than 2015 because apart from the Champions Trophy, the results against the top top sides have been really ordinary because they they got whitewashed final in New Zealand uh, at at the start of last year. They got whitewashed by Australia just before this just before the World Cup uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, you know they failed to make the finals of the Asia Cup. So the only teams that against whom they've done well is Sri Lanka and, and Zimbabwe. So I, I, I'm not too sure uh, I agree with that assessment. But Shadab Khan has indeed been one of their shining lights throughout this period, even in that whitewash in New Zealand that I talked about. He, he, he put up a fairly decent performance with both bat and ball. Uh, I think his batting is probably more suited to test match cricket than limited overs cricket. I don't think he's a big hitter. Uh, but he's someone who, who's, who offers something. He's, he's very energetic. In the field as well, he, he, he can, you know, he's probably not a big hitter, but if there is a collapse, then he's someone who can rebuild an innings. Maybe he should be batting higher, higher up the order. That's something that for the Pakistan team management to decide. And his bowling, I think, is even though he's not a world beater, but he, he's steady and he's someone who can pick up key wickets. So I think, yeah, he's definitely one of the better cricketers in the sport. So I will here. I will differ with with Sankit in two points. One was yes, Pakistan might not have done that well uh, against the top uh, teams, but but seeing Pakistan lost against five zero against Australia, if you look at that particular squad, there were seven uh, players who were not even playing uh, that that particular uh, series, uh, which are regular member of the Pakistan team. Uh, on the second and uh, uh, Shadab. Uh, uh, yeah, the Asia Cup was the one thing which Pakistan didn't do well and and should have done well. But other than that, whitewashed New Zealand as well. So I think these are the three series that they've played since the Champions Trophy. Yeah, I agree. That's I one agree of with you. I agree with you on a part that yeah, they have not done well as they should have. But uh, if you if you look at about, about the Australian series, you know the the team was not there at all. So so that that was okay. Um, so so. Against, yeah. Sabi, let me ask you this then. Sanket said, then how is this team better than the 2015 team? That's what you're trying to say. So help us out here, like who don't follow the Pakistan cricket team that much. Uh, even on potential, what is what does this team have that uh, the other team uh, led by Misbah and had players like Yunus did not have? So if you, if you look at the 2015 World Cup team, Pakistan uh, opener was not settled at all. Um, they had to open with Yunus Khan. Uh, in one of the matches, and then they had to drop Yunus Khan. Uh, Ms. Bahulak was on his last leg. We all knew that Ms. Bahulak was done and dusted by that then. Shahid Afridi was another one who, who, who was on his last leg as well. Uh, if you compare with that team to this team, this is young and energetic team. Uh, opening, uh, if you look at the openers, we have a settled opening pair, Fakhar Zaman and Imamul Haq. Uh, both Fakhar Zaman is one of the... Uh, I think Pakistan's best one-day batsman. He has to do well for Pakistan uh, to do well in the World Cup as well because he he's, he's those kind of player who can dominate the bowling attacks. Uh, Imamul Haq, uh, not uh, he's a he's a decent batsman, uh, but not as good as as a one-day player should be. Especially right now, he he plays well. He he uh, scores, but stri- his strike rate is quite. Uh, Average, I would say, you know, he's around 85 or so. So, the, but followed by one down Babar Azam, who, who's a very settled, good one-day batsman, uh, who's averaging around 50. Uh, followed by Haris Suhail, who's another one 
a classy left arm uh, left hand batsman uh, who who again he uh, saris will have a problem as well where he cannot dominate the attack but he's someone who can who can rotate the strike and and, and can and can can basically finish the game off if needed to be the only problem with harris soil is is lack lack of hitting ability and then we have sir faraz ahmed who's a who's a good one day batsman if if he comes at number 5 the only problem i see in this pakistan team is that they don't have a genuine power hitter uh, when, when i talk about the power hitters let's talk about india they have hardik pandya uh talk about australia they have maxwell talk about south africa they have miller talk about new zealand they have uh, de grandmore talk about england they have lot um, butler they have uh, ian morgan who can smash the ball very well that's that's the area pakistan is lacking but do you, uh, do you think asif ali will come to the squad replacing maybe someone like abed ali or maybe someone else I I I don't think so, and I think I I hope it does not happen. I know that Asif Ali is the only batsman in Pakistan team who can hit the ball hard, but he's he's a limited. He he's he's technically not good. I I don't think he should be playing at number six. Uh, a player who should be playing at number six either should be an all rounder or he should be a good enough batsman. I don't think maybe Asif they could, maybe they could promote someone like Shadab Khan at number six and have Asif Ali as at number seven or eight. Yeah, that's a, that's a, uh, it's a tough one. I, I think Pakistan batting would be weak if Pakistan plays uh, Asif Ali at number six uh, or Shadab Khan at number six. I think they have to go. Uh, I like Abid Ali. You know, uh, let's talk about Abid Ali a bit here. Uh, Imamul Haq, uh, though he has been averaging quite well, but as I said, his strike rate is quite quite average. Uh, on the other, he does not have that many shots. Uh, for a one day batsman but if you look at the abid ali though he have a short career but i have followed him in domestic cricket and and he, he his strike rate has always been in in 90s and 100s he have more shots um, uh, he he is a very good good, good uh, cutter and puller of the ball his drives are really good uh, he can uh, when he's playing against the spinners he can slog sweep as well so he 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 looks to me a better opener right now compared to imamul haq So, so Sabi, let me ask you this. You said this team is settled again. I'm not trying to question your knowledge about your, you know, your own team. But Abid Ali has only played like two or three ODIs. So, why does why do why to introduce someone like this so late in the game when World Cup is what like six matches away now? Yeah, that's see, you've got a good, good point here. The problem is Pakistan should have tried a couple of openers long time ago, but they they persisted with Fakhar Zaman and and Imamul Haq for a long time. Uh, Fakhar Zaman is the key. Uh, I agree with that. But Imamul Haq, you know, he's a good batsman. Uh, but I, I, I think like chasing 374 yesterday uh, against England, uh, Imamul Haq made 35 out of 44 balls. Uh, that's not good enough when you're chasing that high of a total. So that's that's where I have a problem. But but other than other than uh, the opener, let, let's look at if you play Imamul Haq, fine. But other than him, if you look at Babar Azam, Haris Suhail, Mohammad Hafiz. Um, Shweb Malik, Sarfraz Ahmed. This is this is a decent batting side, uh, followed by uh, Shadab and uh, Imad. So I think I think the only problem Pakistan need to see is how they are going to accommodate Mohammad Hafiz and Shweb Malik. Can can both of them play in the team, or can only one of them play? Okay, so Sanket, uh, when on the Pakistan uh, top order to middle order, how do you view their strengths and who is the standout member if this? Team has to do well, according to you. Well, firstly, I just like to say that I agree with pretty much everything that uh, 
Sabi has said about the Pakistan team, and I agree that in terms of potential, this side is definitely better than what they had in 2015. My comment about this side not being any better than 2015 was only in terms of results. But yeah, potential-wise, this side has got potential, and I think this side definitely has a better batting lineup than 2015. The bowling, I'm less sure about. So yeah, coming to the batting, uh, you know, as as Sabi said, I think Abid Ali is definitely a very good prospect. The only reason why I said. Asif Ali might be an option to replace him is because I, I don't really think Abid Ali will feature in the tournament because Imam Ulhaq, yes, I, I do share your concerns about him. Uh, I also have some concerns about Fakhar Zaman as well, especially against quality pass bowling. I think his technique will get exposed as it was in South Africa earlier this year, even against uh, even against Australia, he has struggled in a few matches. So, you know, I, I, I do tend to, you know, agree with him that Abid Ali is, is a good batsman and is a good prospect, but uh, I think Pakistan are pretty much set on Fakhar and Imam being the opening combination throughout the World Cup. So I think instead of having that backup opener, maybe having a middle order batsman could have been a decent gamble. But yeah, that, that, I think they've taken that call. So I think and I don't know whether they'll make any changes to that. So yeah, I think you've got Fakhar Zaman and Imam Ulhaq to open their innings. Imam Ulhaq, I think. Uh, well, I think he's a, I think actually I think he's a good player because you know when he was introduced into the side first. First time around, he had a good season against Sri Lanka. Then, you know, scored runs, plenty of runs against Zimbabwe, and people said he was a Nino basher, which is true to some extent. And then he, in the Asia Cup, he struggled against India, which you know only uh, you know reaffirmed those suspicions about him being a Nino basher. But then he had a very good series against South Africa in South Africa, and he was one of the main reasons why Pakistan was so competitive in that series. And even so, I think he's I think he's a good player, but obviously he's not your player for 330-340 games. I think he's a very, very good player for 270-280 games. So I think I think I think Pakistan still need to have one player of that type in the side because Pakistan needs someone who can hold the innings together. So I think the onus will be on the others. Maybe Fakhar Zaman is obviously a naturally attacking player, but even even some of the others, like someone like Babar Azam, probably should has to bat more aggressively than he normally bats. When Pakistan are chasing those big totals to make up for, you know, the slowness of someone like Imam Bulak, uh, then obviously they've got at number four. I'm not, I'm not too sure who they'll go in the number four, uh, go in with at number four. Mohammad Afiz is obviously in the squad, uh, and I'm not too sure what exactly will be the batting order because Afiz there are some concerns over his fitness. Shoaib Malik is in the squad, and I'm sure he will be he, he will be in the eleven. Personally, I'm not too sure I would have picked him in the first place because his record. Outside the subcontinent is, is very very ordinary. His recent form hasn't been great either, and I always felt he's very suspect against quality fast bowling, and he's not getting any younger. So uh, Haris Sohail, I think he's a, he's a good batsman. I personally would probably have him at number four, but again, he, he's not someone who can accelerate and play the big shots. So that again is a little bit of a concern as far as his batting is concerned. Sarfaraz Ahmed showed some good signs of return to form yesterday. Uh, I think scored a quick fire 40 odd. Uh, so I think he, he will again be the key because you know when Pakistan had that great run in the Champions Trophy, he, he played a very good innings in, in Sri Lanka in the in, a, in what was a must-win game for them. And even prior to that, before his ascension to the captaincy, he was he was one of the few shining lights in that team. But in, in around 2017-2016-2017, but ever since the Champions Trophy, he hasn't really performed with the bat. So I think his form will be key because he's one of the few players. In the side who can score at better than run a ball. Uh, uh, other than that, I think maybe they'll go in with Asif Ali. If he comes into the squad, he could be an option to bat at number six or seven. Uh, otherwise, I think they'll probably go in with maybe Haris Sohail at four, Hafiz at five, Sarbaraz at six, Shoaib Malik at seven, or 
I, I don't know what what exactly the order. Maybe a piece might be left out of the eleven, and they they might go in with uh, 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 they might go in with Aras Sohail and Shoaib Malik and and Sarfraz. So I so. I would I would interrupt you here uh, uh, just just to add a point about Sarfraz. Sarfraz. Um, he has always done well when he have uh, played at number 4 or number 5 because he's a very good uh, player of spin bowling uh, he rotates the strike well he's not a, he's not a player who, who can come down and, and and hit the ball hard so uh, since becoming since becoming a captain he uh, because they had to accommodate uh, hafiz and shoaib malik so he was coming later down the order and that's where the problems were uh, i actually think hafiz would be a decent off the bat at 6 so I th- personally yeah, my so- my level- I in my eleven, I would have, you know, I, I would agree. have Aris Sohail batting at four. Uh, I probably have Sir Faraz at five and Hafiz at six. I wouldn't have Mustafa Malik in my side, but I don't think that's going to happen. So I think they'll probably pick Mustafa uh, Malik over Aris Sohail. So I, so I absolutely agree with what you said. Uh, Hafiz is an ideal number six. Uh, he is one of the Pakistan players who can hit the hit the ball hard at the later part of the inning. So I would open with, uh, even though uh, Imamul Haq is playing well, but I think I will play open. With Abid Ali uh, and Fakhar Zaman, followed by Babar Azam, Haris Suhail at number four, Farfraz at number five, Hafiz at number six, followed by Imamul Haq, Shadab Khan, and then three fast bowlers. Then my three fast bowlers would be <laughs> my three fast bowler would be Shahin Shafridi, Muhammad Amir, and Hassan Ali. So, so Sabi, let me ask you this. I mean, you guys are definitely you know holding good conversation, but uh, why does Imamul Haq have to bat at seven if he's slow at the top? Uh, how is that a sell? I think he, I think he, I think he meant Imad Basim. No, I'm sorry. I, I meant Imad. Okay, then then go ahead. Go ahead, Sanket. What are you going to say? No, yeah. So I think the, I think I think Shoaib Malik is seen as a very important cog in the Pakistan lineup as far as experiences goes and seniority goes. So even though he doesn't deserve a place in the side, in my opinion, on merit. I think realistically speaking, he will be there. So I think it will probably be a toss-up between Haris Sohail and Mohammad Afiz to bat at number four. Shoaib Malik will bat at five, and Sarfaraz will probably bat at six. So that is that will be the order, and then they'll go in with the two spinners and the three seamers. Uh, I, I personally wouldn't have Mohammad Amir in my starting eleven. I would go in with Junaid Khan over Mohammad Amir. Shahin Shah Afridi, I think, is obviously their number one bowler, and Hassan Ali. Even though I, I don't think he's the same bowler that he was in the Champions Trophy. Couple of years ago, he is still probably the best option as a third seamer. So that 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 probably would be my eleven. But yeah, I think I think the middle order is that that, that they've got a bit of a muddle in the middle there. So I'm not too sure that they've got plenty of permutations and combinations because Pakistan have probably got four or five players who can bat at four, but they don't really have anyone who can bat at five, six, and seven. So how they just mix and match that and you know come come to the best possible combination that that's something that's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, I was talking to Sabi. I think before uh, we were, you know, getting ready for the podcast. I haven't seen much of Sarfraz, but uh, that game against England yesterday it was a very awesome chase for because I haven't seen Pakistan chase down many big totals. And correct me if they have. And Sarfraz did look good, but at the same time, in the end, his ability to hit big. I think that's where I think it reminded me of Dhoni. Maybe you know they're different players, but Dhoni could pace the innings, but Dhoni always had the big hit, and that's what I think Sabi said. That Sarfraz doesn't have the ability to hit big. I think that is one aspect of Pakistan's game that has improved rapidly under Mikiyada. They've become a much better chasing side. It's earlier they used to be a much better side defending the total, but I think right now that I think I think the batting lineup is probably better than the bowling. If, 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 no, I, 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 
you might be right but pakistan bowling is quite decent if you look at it you know they're the three fast bowlers shadab khan and imad wasim that's a five genuine bowlers which are which are very decent bowlers and and then you have a six bowling option of haris soil and mohammad afif this bowling i think it's a decent bowling attack they get dry wickets they get conditions like they had in the champions trophy where you get dry wickets so you get get the ball to reverse then i think that's a pretty decent attack but on flat wickets i don't think they really have the pace or the variety to really trouble quality batting lineup because hasan ali for example is someone who relies a lot on reversing when he doesn't get reversing he doesn't really have the pace doesn't really get that extra bounce to and get the ball high up and hit the slice of the bat and trouble the batsman so just so to I add to add to that point uh, about the hasan ali uh, hasan ali uh, i have seen him uh, playing Uh, in PSL, and he was playing from Peshawar, and he has ball uh, with a new ball regularly. And in every match, in every single match, he has taken wickets with a new ball. So I'm very surprised that Pakistan management has not given him the new ball. I think he should be opening the bowling with Shahin Shah Afridi, followed by Mohammad Amir or whoever plays Junaid Khan. That's an interesting viewpoint. Hmm. Okay, so let me bring the captaincy here. So Sabi, you can go second, but Sanket, you know, we I think have spoken about this before, but let's bring this to the podcast. Sarfraz captaincy. I mean, he was wasn't he seen as very vocal and emotional? He was getting mad at his bowlers, but I know Sabi has had very high view of him. He wanted him to be captain even before he became captain. So Sanket, how do you view his captaincy, and is he the calming influence that this team needs? to do well in the tournament of course you know nothing's going to change he's the captain but how do you rate his style of captaincy and some of the emotional uh, you know outbursts he's had in the past well he's definitely not a calming influence if you go by it literally but i think when if you look at pakistan team historically you, know, you probably need captains who are you know a bit more vocal and who are more aggressive and who probably more slightly of dictatorial type captains who to get the job done from others i think you know you don't need to look any any, any further than the great amran khan who's you know, someone who pretty much struck terror in in the dressing room in, in the minds of some of his teammates but that that was what they probably needed to get the best out of him so you know sarfaraz obviously is not as great a cricketer as amran khan he doesn't really command that kind of respect and he probably needs to do better with his own performances if he wants to command respect and boss over the team like he does so i think that that is one aspect of his game that he definitely needs to improve on for him to you know really earn the respect of the team as a captain he probably needs to respect doing better himself as far as the tactical side of things go i think he's you know i think he's probably a decent captain when compared to some of the captains that pakistan have had in the past i think uh, in, in recent times I, i mean i wouldn't say he's a great tactician but I, I, he's decent enough and obviously is very aggressive he's very vocal which you know which can obviously go both ways but uh, as i said historically that's not necessarily been a bad thing for pakistan but i for me i think the key thing about his captaincy is going to come is if he if he does better then i think that that will automatically like he did in the champions trophy when he was performing with the bad he had the team by his side since then his performances have tapered off the team results have been sort of mixed they lost to top sides they beat they've been beating the lower rank sides consistently but they were lost to top sides so you know that his captaincy has come under scanner is uh, even in test match cricket his performances have been pretty poor he's played some really irresponsible shots to get out at inopportune moments which is why i think there's probably more pressure on his captaincy than there should be purely in terms of tactic uh, as far as the tactical side of the game is concerned uh, i don't think he's done a bad job because of you know some some of the irresponsible shots that he plays while batting and his you know, disappointing performances in general 
his captaincy has probably come under more scan, uh, scanner. So I think uh, that Faraz, for his captain, as far as his captaincy is concerned, I think he needs to you know, work on his performances. I think the rest will uh, fall into place. Uh, if, you, if you look at his record as a captain, you know you can't really argue with the with the achievements because he's won the Champions Trophy for Pakistan. He's won two PSL titles, so he. He's clearly got a pretty decent CV as far as winning trophies and winning big tournaments is concerned. So I think it's about getting, you know, at least about performing well himself and you know, really getting the team by his side and uh, taking them along with him. Okay, Sabi, same question to you. Uh, I know you are a big fan of his captaincy. He's the right candidate. Tell us why he's the right candidate. Yeah, he was starts. Uh, he was street smart cricketer. Uh, he has. Uh, Captain Pakistan from from under 19, uh, and then his department side, and then Pakistan side. If you look at, uh, I agree with Sankit on a part that he have to bat well, and the 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 only the only way he would bat well, he have to bat on the top order. He should not bat lower than uh, number five, uh, and I think he will uh, play. You will see them see him playing as at number five in the World Cup. Uh, he as I as I said earlier, he's not a, a hitter of the ball. So coming down the order, he will, he will never succeed. And to get the respect uh, for a captain, you have to perform. You have to lead from the front. And uh, by by playing at number five, he will do that. Uh, he he have a you know he, if you look at uh, in the ground, he's a very vocal. Uh, sometimes uh, becomes a little bit too aggressive. But but sometimes for Pakistan cricketers, uh, you need some uh, you need this kind of captain. But if you look at outside the ground, he's very friendly with with all the players. So. Uh, Pakistani players, uh, I think, like him a lot, respect him. But but uh, for him to do well in the World Cup, for a Pakistan team, he have to bet on the top order. Okay, so Sabi, since we have you here, and you know you have followed the Pakistan cricket, and you've been associated, you know, with some media work too in the past, you know, for the website. So is this team very? Uh, how do you say it? I mean, is this Sarfraz's team? I know it has like a couple of old uh, senior players like Shoaib Malik and. Uh, Hafiz, but is this team all there to win or is this team somewhat divided? I know this is not a question sometimes we should ask on a podcast, but I just want to see your opinion because sometime in the past, Indian-Pakistani teams have had these seniors that uh, sometimes you think there's some sort of a conflict. But is this team unified to win? I mean, is this Sarfraz's Sarfraz team? Definitely. Uh, there's no conflict here. The, uh, the, the thing from uh, this team versus the past team, the past team had the stars in the team. Uh, this team, doesn't, if you look at it, they don't have any player uh, who have a celebrity like Wasim Akram, Bakar Yunus, Shahid Afridi, uh, Yunus Khan, uh, or, or, or some, some other players. Uh, I think that's where Mickey Hathar has also played a big role. Right. I know I'm not I'm not a big fan of Mickey Arthur as a tactical coach, but I think he's probably just the guy that Pakistan needed. He, he's he's your straight talking, no nonsense coach. He, he will not entertain these superstar cultures that you know we normally associate with subcontinental sides. So I think he has really brought in a very disciplined, professional approach within the Pakistan side, and I think that is paying dividends. Yeah, agree, agree on that part. Uh, Mickey Arthur have done a good job. Uh, it, it, since he have become the coach, uh, the fitness uh, and the fielding have be, have improved a lot. Uh, his his technical side is not as good, but I think Sarfraz can handle that. So this team, I think, uh, is not not a great team, but but not a bad team as well. So my fourth and fifth team, you know, uh, when when I rate this World Cup, uh, I feel England is on the top, followed by Australia, India. 
New Zealand and Pakistan is just right there. So, so that's my top four for the for the semi-finals. Okay, so Sabi, I mean, uh, just you know, because we have a lot of Indians who listen to this. Uh, so, what's the reason you are rating Australia over India? I know this is not the original uh, question, but you know, can't resist. So, why do you think Australia is uh, placed better? I'm sure Sankit is happy to hear this, but I want to hear what your reasons are. <laughs> But see, the, 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 uh, if you look at the Australian team, um, uh, you know, they have not been doing quite well, but I have seen them recently against Pakistan and uh, with Smith and Warner coming back, uh, their betting would be really good. Uh, if you look at it, they will be opening with Finch and Warner, followed by uh, Sman Khwaja, then uh, Smith, uh, followed by uh, uh, Maxwell and Sean March, Sean March coming in ahead of Maxwell, and and following uh, then Kerry, and then four uh, fast bowlers, which would be uh, uh, Mitchell Stark, uh, Richardson. Um, the third one would be Cummins, Kapet Cummins, and Zampa. Uh, the only problem I see um, in Australian team, actually, I would, I think they will play Stonis uh, ahead of Sean Marsh because they need a fifth baller. So Maxwell and Stonis is going to do a job uh, as a fifth baller. That that might be the only weakest area in Australian team. But other than that, Australia, Australian team looks really good. If you compare it to the Indian team, for some reason, I have a feeling that Indian batting is not as as strong as people people suggest. Uh, they have an opener. Uh, Rohit Sharma and Shikhar Dhawan, both both great openers, followed by Virat Kohli. But number four, uh, they have they have issues. They don't know who they're going to play with. Number five is Dhoni, who I think uh, is not as a great player as he was. Um, still still can hold anything together, but I don't think he have the ability to hit the good fast bowlers at the death. Uh, followed by uh, by Jadav, who, who who I don't rate him very high as well. So I I don't think their their batting is as good as as people. Uh, think they are, but their bowling is definitely good. Hmm. So, Sanket, uh, you, uh, I know, when we did Australia a podcast a month ago, do you agree with this assessment? Do you think Australia is kind of sneaking up on India and England? Uh, no, definitely not England. I think England are definitely in a completely different stratosphere as compared to Australia. As far as India is concerned, well, I think that's it's. I think in, I think India, Australia probably match up well to India because Australia got a good pace attack, and if they get a couple of early wickets. Uh, and to get to get the Indian top three, uh, if you send them back in the heart early, then you can definitely put pressure on India. So I think in that sense Australia probably match up well to India. But I think against the field, I, I would still rate India over Australia. Because I think I, I'm not too sure about Australia middle order. As I, as I said in the past as well, they've left out Peter Hanscom from the squad, uh, which you know, the squad was not announced at the time when we discussed it. So I think I need to say this, which I think is an absolutely disgraceful decision. Is for me, is probably the best. ODI batsman that we have after David Warner, and then I he was the one who's who single single-handedly solved Australia's middle order problems. He's very good at rotating the strike, he can accelerate as well. And you know they've left it left him out, and they're going in with Alex Carey as the kept, as the sole keeper, who has not really done much at this level. Marcus Tony is an all-rounder who doesn't really inspire confidence. So the low middle order is heavily reliant on Glenn Maxwell, who, as we have also talked about in the past. Is not the most reliable player in the world, so that, that that middle order is, I think, looks a little bit thin as far as as far as I'm concerned. Okay, so I think I, I, go ahead, Sami. Agree on actually Peter Henscom part. Uh, I I thought he should have been picked ahead of uh, Sean Marsh. Yeah, so I think uh, yeah we covered quite a lot here, and uh, just before we wrap up the show, so. 
Sanket, let me ask you this. Uh, Sabi calls Pakistan, uh, you know, as one of the top five sides and you have uh, New Zealand and South Africa in that? Or how do you rank your top five sides, uh, Sanket? And then Sabi, you can rank yours. I think England is comfortably at the top, even though I'm predicting India to win the World Cup, but that's a different story. But I think purely in terms of quality of the sides, I think England easily number one. Then I think there's a big gap. Then India, Australia, then again a little bit of gap, South Africa and New Zealand. Then again, I think there's a big gap, and then you've got the rest of the West Indies, Pakistan, Bangladesh. I think they're all probably in one tire. And then the Sri Lanka and Afghanistan would be the last two. Uh, I'd probably have Afghanistan over Sri Lanka. So that, that's, that would be my rating. I, I personally am not very bullish about Pakistan in terms of making it to the semi finals. As I said, the format and the Champions Trophy really played to their strengths because, you know, the pitch, uh, you uh, there were only three venues that were used for the entire tournament. It was a 15 day tournament, and you had five matches at each venue. So the thing is that you had matches at a particular venue every other day. So there was not really enough time for them to prepare fresh wickets. So they, they got, to play on, got to play on quite a few used surfaces, which really played to their strengths. And uh, that, that really brought reverse swing into the picture because reverse swing has become pretty much extinct in one-day cricket ever since the two new balls were introduced. But because the kind of conditions that were there in the Champions Trophy, uh, uh, reverse thing became a significant factor. So, in that sense, I think I'm not too sure they'll have the same advantage in the World Cup because World Cup is played over you know 11 venues. So you're not going to get. I don't think you'll get too many tired tracks. Uh, so that, that that's just I think a significant disadvantage as far as Pakistan is concerned. The batting lineup has improved. I think as I said, but again they don't really match up to the best in the world. So uh, I think they'll probably need a lot of luck with the conditions, with the toss. If they are to make a serious push for the ten points, because you know a team that needs to make and runs probably needs to win five or six matches. But in the Champions Trophy, you have to win only two matches. Okay. So whether Pakistan yeah. have that consistency in them, I'm not too sure. Okay, Sabi, over to you. Let's finish this. So rank your teams, and if you want to answer, you know what Sanket has said. You know you have almost a minute. Okay, so I will. My my favorite team is England, uh, followed by Australia, and then India. New Zealand and Pakistan, followed by South Africa. Uh, and I don't see, other than England, I don't see there's too much gap between the teams. Uh, I think India and Australia might be a little bit better teams than, than New Zealand and Pakistan, but not not by much margin. And uh, I think this would be a uh, quite a good World Cup. And, and any team who qualify for the semi-final can go ahead and win the World Cup. So I, I, will, not, um, I will not be surprised if if New Zealand or even Pakistan uh, come to the semi-final and then win the World Cup, uh, I will also add that West Indies and Afghanistan. These are the two teams who probably will not go to the semi-final but will beat one one of the good teams, and that would be a problem. Whoever lose against West Indies and Afghanistan uh, would not be able to qualify for the for the semi-final as far as I think. So and they will make a big upset. And you're not including South Africa in your list. You named seven teams, so South Africa is not there, huh? Uh. So, my number six is South Africa. So, uh, New Zealand is number four. Number five is Pakistan. Number six is South Africa, followed by West Indies and Afghanistan uh, and Sri Lanka at the end. Okay. So, I think, guys, we did quite good. Hopefully, people who listen to it will enjoy. There were uh, some healthy disagreements, which is what needed in the podcast. It's not scripted. So, yeah, share with your friends, whoever listens to this. And I'm sure with Sabi coming in, we'll have uh, more than few listeners from Pakistan who will also listen to the show. So, we'll be back to wrap up the World Cup special uh, next episode, where we'll be discussing Bangladesh and Afghanistan. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening.